My name is Natalie Sessions and I'm one of the senior nutritionists at ENN and together with Emily Mates, one of our technical directors, I'm honoured to be speaking today to Emmy Simmons in relation to the launch of a report by the Global Panel on Agriculture and Food Systems for Nutrition entitled Future Food Systems for People, Our Planet and Prosperity. Emmy is a member of the Global Panel on Agriculture and Food Systems for Nutrition, a high-level international group focused on developing evidence-based policies to increase access to healthy, safe and affordable diets. Emmy is currently an independent consultant on international development issues with focus on food and agriculture in Africa. She has over 30 years experience working with the United States agencies for international development. Thank you so much for making the time today to speak to us, Emmy. The focus on the report and what struck out to me is the focus on pragmatic action rather than just on the problems. I think though within the nutrition community, we often think that the food system is for the agriculturalists and for other people. And so we don't really know how to position ourselves within the discussions around food systems. Mm-hmm. And so reflecting on, on the actions that have been drawn out in this report, could you share some insights into how the nutrition community can best position itself? There are a few things to really point to. One is that as the first foresight report focused on food systems and diets, not food systems and nutrition, but food systems and diets, that was kind of a first step to saying, aha, uh-huh, what we have to look at is what people really eat, not just you know, the kids are stunted or wasted, but how does that happen? That happens because people eat or kids are fed specific foods that either meet their nutritional needs and their health needs or not. And I think the conclusion of that first report was that everyone was surprised how the current food system is not meeting those nutritional needs. So I think that focus on diets has really sort of kicked off Um, a whole arena for engagement between nutrition scientists, health scientists, both public health as well as curative health, and agriculture. And that conversation, I think, is just getting going in in a useful way where people are actually listening to each other and focusing on the measurable, which is a diet, and sort of trying to understand how how diets can be improved, how food systems shape diets, shape people's choices, or don't. And I think that this is an area that we need to, to really look at. This foresight report looks at the drivers of diets, the availability, accessibility, affordability, and desirability. And as you know, Patrick has done a lot of work in kind of fleshing out each of these areas and kind of saying, okay, availability isn't just about a quantity of staple food, which we've all in the development business identified as food security. Many country leaders still identify food security as a pile of rice. But I think this framework of availability, accessibility, affordability, and desirability goes a little beyond the food security language by bringing it closer to the dietary choices that people have. I think Anna Herforth's work that she did with FAO on the cost of micronutrients and the cost of a healthy diet, I think that's going to be, again, a blockbuster, that we're all going to have to be sort of absorbing that. If 3 billion people cannot afford a healthy diet, what are we talking about? I think that this is going to be a new way of of thinking. And I think the notion of food systems is actually the one area that the global panel has helped to 
articulate in a way that has made people comfortable with not just talking about food security, but talking about food systems, the practicalities of food systems, what farmers do, what processors do, what marketers do, what retailers do, what consumers do, what their employers do in terms of providing purchasing power after this foresight report gets launched. We're going to be engaging a lot more of the scientists in the climate arena a lot more of the political leaders who are really concerned that energy systems are not transforming rapidly enough to prevent global warming. And so they'll become part of this, this food system approach in a way that I don't, think, I don't think they have been to date. If in fact global warming goes beyond two degrees centigrade, this world, this planet is gonna be in big trouble. And unless the agriculture sector really takes this challenge seriously. They're gonna to contribute to passing the two degree mark and we're gonna be in bigger trouble than we are today. So I think that bringing together the role of, of climate change, the role of technology, the role of farmer practices in sustainable intensification, bringing all of that together in the availability picture is really a critical kind of step forward here. Thank you so much, Emmy. I think such important big picture reflections. Just on the next point, and I know you've already started reflecting on it, but if there's anything more to add in terms of how to prioritize actions for implementation, um, I think the report sets up quite a lot of, of actions in terms of, of actions to be implemented first. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? I've been critical that we've had, we have too many words of advice in some ways in the final foresight report. And I, I chose out three. One is identifying and resolving policy distortions and incoherence. For example, countries support research on agriculture production. Everybody's looking to increase productivity. But the bulk of that funding is going to the four or five staple crops, maize, rice, wheat, and I would add soybeans, which is kind of the foundation of the, the feed industry. And yet at the same time, I'm looking at micronutrient malnutrition. I'm looking at, in many countries, overconsumption of staple products and too many empty calories. And so I think that removing those policy distortions, aligning policy with what we expect to get or what we want to get in the way of healthier diets is my top thing. The second thing is figuring out how to identify multi-win targets that are attractive to multiple constituencies. And I think that the Foresight Report takes a step in this direction, looking at what the governments need to do, what private sector businesses need to do, what those people who are working to abate climate change need to do, what consumers need to do, or what how consumers through spending their purchasing power can do. And I think that there is the need for a lot of action on the part of everybody, but we need to probably identify what I call multi-win targets, you know, targets that people can say, okay, we can all get behind that. So I think in fact the restricting climate warming or global warming to two degrees centigrade and saying, okay, what does that mean for all of us? That's one of the multi-win targets that we need. But I think another multi-win target is reducing levels of obesity. 
Why are, why are obesity levels so high? It's what kinds of diets the, the food system offers to people and how that social impetus, social incentives actually promote those diets. The third set of actions the report talks about, and I think leveraging existing and planned interventions to make food systems, these are the criteria, more efficient and equitable with the provision or the availability of higher quality diets with greater sustainability in terms of environmental production and to really, really bringing in the private sector to buy into this. You know, we've seen it with regard to, for example, reducing the content of sugar in some marketed products. On the very last page of the report, there's a box which has 10 priorities, which I think are, are specific and good, but I have to say that I don't think they really focus enough on, on the private sector. But those big three to my policy, multi-win targets, influencing action. It's where I would go. Brilliant. I think that that is really so useful. Just on to our third question and looking at the realities that policymakers face and so many competing priorities, how can they be supported to implement such suggested action? Policymakers need to lead. I think that that's one of the sort of messages of this foresight report is that you, we can see the issues. We've laid out the issues. We've laid out the opportunities. We laid out some of the evidence and experience. But policymakers need to take this seriously. Countries that, that cannot or do not provide uh, food environments that allow consumers to have healthy diets are countries that are not going to grow very well. They're not going to prosper. And in, in that, that feedback loop, that means that they're not going to have rising incomes, that people are going to have less purchasing power, they're going to have less choice with regard to their diet. Policymakers need to lead on this. And I think we're, we're hopefully giving them some ideas and some tools to be able to do this. I think the other part is that we, this is again, come out of the food systems and diets work, but is carried forward here with particularly with regard to the, the desirability and accessibility sides of things is how consumers interact with the food system and what their feedback is. I think consumers also have a lot of concerns about safety, food safety, whether it contains GMOs, whether it is actually providing them whatever the marketing people say it's providing them in, in the way of, of healthy diets. Consumers need to be engaged. Okay, so the next question, and you've, you've touched on these uh, fragile contexts before in some of your answers, but we were just, while looking through the report, we we're just wondering how feasible some of the actions are for more fragile countries. You know, some of them seem very targeted towards countries that are more stable. And particularly in this context of COVID, as you said, you know, it became clear very early on that COVID was going to be inequitable in how it affected various countries and also probably in the response to it. I just wondered what your thoughts are on that. I mean, they have actions are feasible because countries everywhere are already investing in agriculture. They're investing in infrastructure. They're investing in research. The investments are already there. In some cases, it's not a question of sort of new investments. It's about ongoing investments being made more impactful. It's a question of allocation more than it is a question of new resources, new money. New ideas, okay, but new ideas don't necessarily take a lot 
more money in terms of feasibility. So going back to the point on leadership, public figures need to lead on this. I think that the international humanitarian and, and development communities are actually moving in the direction of improving food systems and addressing not just sort of basic food security, but really looking at how food systems work. As I said, you know, some of the NGOs are working on market system development, saying that even with what is it, $28 billion last year in emergency assistance, even with $28 billion, that's you know, that's a drop in the bucket compared to what people spend on food every every day, every year. And so having markets that are attuned to not just providing cheap, attractive food, but actually providing healthy food, health food that's going to give people the nutrient qualities that they need. That's an important thing. So I think it's feasible. I mean, everybody has, everybody eats every day. So changing what everybody eats every day and how much of it, I don't think is an impossible task. I think it, but I think it takes dedication, takes leadership, takes science to say which way of approaching this is most efficient. I think when COVID hit, people said, oh my God, what are we going to do for the, the very poor? And the need for a social safety net or a, a social protection became so obvious, you know, that it was just like, you know, well, why didn't we think of this before? I think one of the things that several people have pointed out has to do with the impact of the uh, pandemic being most severe in terms of food systems uh, with regard to perishable foods. And there is um, some people have done studies as to what farmers did with food that was ready to go to the market and then they couldn't get to the market. And whether what impact that food not getting to the market had on its it's projected consumers, right? So, so I think we've all learned a lot about how a food system is, is fragile in some ways. And this pandemic has revealed fragilities. Just on to the last question. This report is, you know, it, it covers a lot of ground and a lot of sectors, and it really brings the whole area of food systems together really nicely. But just in terms of a nutrition focus, how should the nutrition community respond to this report? What are your thoughts on that? I think the nutrition community should recognize that this report takes the consideration of nutrition and health a step further than the food systems and diets foresight report that it builds on that our understanding of the importance of diets but in fact it illuminates the sort of critical position that so many people's diets are are in right now for nutritionists it should just be a clarion call to action this is the decade of nutrition right so i think we're still hitting that but we have other global events coming up. Hopefully the, the Nutrition for Growth Summit will happen sometime. The UN Summit on Food Systems is going to be another opportunity. And I would hope that the nutrition and health people sort of get together to make a common front here on, on steps that the nutrition sector and the health sector and the ag sector can, can take to work together. I think the UN Climate Change Conference of the Parties, which I would suspect nutritionists probably haven't been sort of following as closely as they might, in terms of thinking about sustainable, healthy diets, nutritionists might want to take a closer look at the climate change issues 
and the voice that nutrition advocacy can make in terms of actions to reduce climate change or to mitigate climate change. So anyway, every country has dietary issues. We have malnutrition issues. We have health issues. Every country in the world. The Foresight Report continues to insist that it's really aimed at low and middle income countries because they have the most severe issues. But in fact, as an American, I'm looking at 40% overweight obesity in the US. I think we all have opportunities to engage on the issues of nutrition. And I would hope that the nutrition community, as you put it, really kind of mobilizes itself. So I think there's just a huge agenda for action for the nutrition community, but in engagement with these other communities, the ag community, the health community, the private sector, business community, and people, consumers, the public media. Great, thank you so much, Emmy. We've taken a lot of your time and really appreciate you being very generous. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like to know more about the Future Food Systems Report, you can read a summary of the key points in Fields Exchange. Please visit ennonline.net forward slash fix forward slash global panel foresight report 2.0. Thank you.